0: high-end designer, or a lot of money to get a luxe look, be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hello, everyone. Happy February. I hope you're having a cozy, comfy, warm, winter season. I for one am glad that Punxsutawney Phil saw his shadow. I can't wait or didn't see a shadow. Didn't see a shadow. I can't wait for an early spring. I'm so excited. As I stare out my window right now at 11 inches of snow, I'm very hopeful that this might be our last snow of the season. We've only had two. Uh, so that way we can just slide right into spring and I can pull out the summer sundresses and leave all the winter weather behind me. I want to thank you guys for being so patient while I navigate my work life balance with a tiny baby. It has proven to be particularly challenging. It has made releasing podcasts on a steady cadence difficult. Um, you know, we don't have reliable childcare. My husband has had a lot of colds so hasn't been able to take the baby. We've had COVID, we've had all sorts of issues that have made this particularly challenging. In the meantime, I'm also back to work with design clients and all sorts of stuff. So I apologize that my cadence has been somewhat disrupted. Um, I will find the work-life balance I had when I had two children. I will find it again with three, but uh, no guarantee as to win. So we're we're just navigating. And I appreciate you coming along for the ride. Uh, One other thing I wanted to bring to your attention is that if you guys were interested in my online classes or my book, I was informed that the link is not working. And I'm so glad someone pointed that out. So um, what you'll want to do if you want to purchase the online classes where we talk about feng shui, we talk about accessorizing your home, we talk about Purchasing furniture. Uh, And then, of course, you can get a copy of my book that is signed by yours truly. If you've been looking for that, if you're interested in that, then you want to go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. There you will find all the information. The classes are $40 a piece and they're between 30 and 45 minutes long each. They are action-packed, filled with tips, and then, of course, you can get a copy of my book. Now, I highly recommend that you buy the value pack, which is three online classes and a signed copy of the book, because that is truly the best value at $99. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to treat yourself today. All right, without further ado, I'm going to dig into this mailbag, and I'm going to start answering some questions. My first question has come all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it is from Kelsey, who writes, Hi, Betsy. I am back with some revisions to my space. In response to my last question, you suggested that I totally rethink my space, and I have. I got rid of the large armoire, which I did not love, and it freed me up to really move things around. I've tried a couple of things and decided I liked having the piano by the window and the dining table right next to the kitchen. You also suggested that I think about my two-word phrase, and I am thinking I want to aim for charming transitional. I feel most aligned to the transitional style, even if the current pieces in my home don't suggest that. What I feel the transitional style lacks is color and quirk. I enjoy the charm and the color of French country slash cottage style, but I don't feel like it makes sense for me slash our house. Charming transitional is my attempt to bring in aspects of the cottage style to my more transitional home. My next steps I want to add a fun tile overlay to the fireplace that will add some pops of blue. I want to paint the fireplace a shade of blue or green that someone muted and dark, but not too drab. And I want to buy a buffet or bookcase for some storage. And I also want to replace the dining room chairs that I do not love. My biggest questions are. Number one, the chairs. Does it make sense to put a chair on either side of the fireplace? This would create a very long and open living space. I would buy two new matching chairs, I think. What are your thoughts on this? So Kelsey, before I read your other questions, let's tackle this one. Now, chairs in this room are really what I would consider an afterthought. You have bigger furniture to fry here, Kelsey, because this room is a very narrow L shape and part of the L is really overtaxed with function. So for those of you listening, that's a narrow L shape. And if we're starting at the top of the L. Um, There is a window on the narrowest part. And then on the long wall, there's a fireplace. And then as we swing around that L, there's a mirroring window opposite the other. And it scoots over into a sliding door with a dining nook. Now, on that narrow part of the L that we first talked about when I first gave gave you a tour of the space, it is adjacent to the entryway. There is a pony wall or sort of a half wall separating the entryway from the beginning of that L. Now, you have your chaise sofa smushed into the narrowest part of the room under that window you know, and there's a major walkway, I would imagine, from that entryway to the rest of the space. So the couch just feels like a total afterthought. It feels awkwardly smushed. I think you have the wrong layout. So while I'm really glad that you like the placement of the piano, I think that it is compromising the placement of the other pieces of furniture. Now, you guys know from listening to many, 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 many episodes, that I don't like to give floor plan advice on the podcast because I like to try every possible option. It is not something that I just like to throw out an answer without doing my due diligence, without having a proper floor plan in front of me so I can ensure that we have properly sized walkways and space to move around things. But just from eyeballing this, I think, Kelsey... That we can't put the couch opposite the fireplace because we won't have room for a walkway and it's just going to eat up all that narrow space. I would consider moving the chaise sofa underneath the opposite window. Now you're saying, Betsy, this was a mirrored room. It's somewhat symmetrical. Isn't the opposite wall the same length? It very well may be, but I want to put an asterisk. This is not such a walkway because it's further from that main point of access. It's further from the entry door. Additionally, remember that pony wall I was talking about? Well, it continues up and creates like a soffit for the rest of the room. And then that's like a six inch amount of space there because you've got the two by four being the stud and sheetrock on either side. And then you've got a little bit more wall even before you get to the sliding door on this opposite side. So spatially and visually, it looks a little bit bigger and more comfortable. Additionally, I hope that the chaise is reversible on that sofa because when we move it to the other side of the room, well, actually, I think it'll work out just fine. I'm I'm moving it in my mind. I would want the chaise to hug the wall that's closest to the fireplace. So that way it's not creating another sort of awkward walkway issue and turning into an obstacle course as you try to move into this dining area. I think you will find that that really changes the optics of the room and then helps you to determine how the room should be sort of proportioned because right now it feels very unbalanced with a lot going on on the left-hand side of the fireplace, toy storage, chaise, sofa, which appears to be a smaller segment of the room than the right side. Now, again, I don't have measurements. I don't have a floor plan. I'm eyeballing this from the wonderful pictures that you sent, but my eyes are typically never wrong. And this looks to be the smaller side that you've put the biggest functions on. So guys, when you're mapping out your room, you want to think about the different functions. Think about their priority. Think about their scale. And then put the larger pieces in the larger zones and make sure that you're balancing the room so that you're putting these other functions, say the piano or the armchairs, on the other side. Now, we could really get into it in terms of the armchairs, the piano, etc., but I want you to make this major change first because, Kelsey, I think we have a little bit of room to go before we start buying armchairs. Now, let me move to your next question. You write about your rug. I hate the magic carpet ride too, but my space is so awkward. The only way to get a rug the right size is to purchase a carpet remnant that would be 9 feet by 18 feet. The other option is to divide the space into two by having smaller rugs, 8 by 10 or 9 by 12 that would stop in the middle of the fireplace. In that scenario, I would move the sitting chair by the coffee table. There are more than two ways to rug this room, Kelsey. So I must say that I disagree with you. First of all, I don't tend to go for a carpet remnant because you don't want it to look like wall to wall carpeting that just shrunk that perfectly fits the space, but is a little bit smaller. You want an area rug to define an area. And in this case, we do have areas, and I wouldn't say that the areas are exactly equal. Typically, that living area would be much bigger have more pieces, say the coffee table, sofa, armchairs, and maybe the opposite area, whether it's a play area or an area for the piano or an area for toys and piano, right, would maybe be a third of the room size, whereas the living area would be two thirds of the room size. If we're thinking about it proportionally like that, we'd want a larger rug in the seating area and a smaller rug in the quote-unquote play area. First, we do the floor plan. Then we decide the rugs. But I do think two rugs is appropriate. It does not bother me that a rug would stop somewhere in front of the fireplace But we want to be really strategic about how big each rug is. And no, it does not need to be symmetrical, especially in this room whose fireplace does not feel like it's symmetrical or equidistant on that wall. There we go. Third question. You mentioned that you want a bookcase or a buffet. You say, I need to add some storage back into the space to hide craft supplies and children's toys. What would you advise and where would you put it based off any recommendations you've already made? Thank you so much for all your advice, Kelsey. All right. So we will have areas that are left over for storage. The storage that you're talking about sounds like it needs to hug a wall. Now, this pony wall that is adjacent to the entryway is half pony, half full height. I would be tempted to put some kind of storage piece there. You could also flank the window. That is near the entryway with two narrow types of storage, whether it's like the square cubbies that you could put bins in that could have some of these books as well as maybe music for the piano. There's going to be opportunities. There's going to be available walls. But I really want you to get these major pieces in place in the right place before you start solving all these other problems. You know what that means, Kelsey? That means you're going to have to write me back. You're going to move this furniture. You're going to think systematically about the most important function first, following with the subsequent most important functions. You're going to find a more perfect floor plan and you're going to send me new pics and we're going to solve more problems. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com classes to get your bundle or your online class today. All right, let me get to my next question. My next question comes from White Plains and it's from Alana. Alana, full disclosure, is one of my current clients, so I'm so excited to answer a question because it's something I'm sure we've been working on in your space. You write, hi Betsy, congrats on baby Mira. We are so happy for you and hope that you are enjoying lots of quality baby snuggles and maybe even getting some sleep. We're patiently awaiting your return to design as our new house needs some serious Betsy help. In the meantime, we're wondering if you have any experience with frosting glass cabinets and any suggestions on how to do just that. Our butler's pantry has six glass panel cabinets, which we know are meant to store beautiful glassware, but that is not our reality. We need the space to store pantry and food items, which is not pretty to look at. We're also looking into replacing the cabinet doors with solid ones to match the kitchen, but we are not having much luck. I know you can buy spray to turn the glass frosted or a film that produces an opaque look. Do you have experience with either of these? Our fear is that it's going to look cheap, maybe even uneven. We may redo our space completely in 5 to 10 years as we're not in love with it, but for now, we need to make it work. I would love any advice. Pictures of the butler's pantry are attached and the kitchen in case it's relevant. So a lot of these pictures are very helpful, but do you know what was really most helpful? When I was able to come to your space at long last just the other day, and we were able to talk about this in person. Now, you already know how we're solving it. We've decided um, as we were designing your dining area, you mentioned to me that you do love to entertain. You have guests over for dinner all the time and often large volumes of guests. So you requested that you have a buffet or a hutch to store some glassware, to store some plates, etc. And I was like, Alana, that is what this butler's pantry with the glass front cabinets is for. It's for storing those plates and glassware, even if they're not stunningly attractive, the butler's pantry is almost like a small galley in the fact that it's not fully on display like a hutch would be. And so you really should be storing plates and things like that here. Now, I'm open to you having a buffet in the dining room, of course, but maybe that is a place where we could think outside the box. Sometimes people, you know, They want to turn something into something else, and they're thinking of solutions like film. And film is great, but the problem is that you still can see through it to a certain extent. If it's not truly opaque film, if it's frosted, you'll be able to see the different brightly colored food items that are back there, and it's still going to look cluttered and bad. Certainly, you could put everything in baskets, but is that really practical for your family and your life? No. So what you're trying to do is turn these glass front cabinets into a pantry, and I just don't think it works when you technically do need plate and glassware storage. We have a couple of options. You could use that fully enclosed buffet piece or buffet hutch combo if it's fully enclosed for additional pantry space in the dining area, but it is a little bit further to go to the kitchen with those snacks or with those ingredients. The other thing we were looking at is, is there a space in the adjacent family room that's right off and open to the kitchen where we could just either insert a large piece that could serve as a pantry or build something out that could be a freestanding pantry unit? Because right now, that butler's pantry with the glass cabinets is not even solving the full problem of the pantry. We need something larger. We need something that the smaller kids could reach to get their snacks. This Butler's Pantry Pantry Solution is already overflowing so that there are things on the counter. It's not a good solution, and film will not make this solution any better. The takeaway for you guys listening here at home is, first of all, that the best way to get the perfect answer is just to work with me in person because we'll go through the house holistically and find other solutions or I can really get down to it and see how other rooms could help to serve some of the function that you're expecting from this small space. So that's the main takeaway. But the other takeaway is just that film, frosted film is not usually the answer. I myself have glass front cabinets in my kitchen, something I wouldn't have personally chosen because my glassware is not particularly compelling. We have a lot of mismatched glasses. My husband loves souvenir cups. I know I'm cringing even as I say it. Um, But, you know, having the film might look even worse. So sometimes we don't want to fight the feeling. We just want to go with what something's intended to be. And... Instead of having two subpar solutions, this being the pantry and putting glassware somewhere else, let's just embrace what this is and find a different solution for those other items. All right, guys. It has been so good to be back with you. I really appreciate you. It's always great to have you back, uh, on the airwaves with me. If you have questions, if you've been waiting just like Alana for me to return so that you could pick my brain, head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. I have been anxiously awaiting your questions. Thank you so much. And until next time, bye. Bye.